is the reality of the ultimate sacrifice it's so close to home. At our house, he is the Hey everybody, and welcome to That VoiceOver Podcast, the show for and about the voiceover profession. I'm Stephen Cox. Now, even if you're not in the voiceover world, you do know the voice of Susan Berkeley. In fact, you've probably been on the phone with her in a manner of speaking. She is the automated voice of AT&T and Citibank, helping you through your transactions. And in a different vein, as president of The Great Voice Company, she trains people in both voiceover and in public speaking, and is also the author of the book Speak to Influence, and has even helped coach a team to victory on the Apprentice. So, Susan Berkeley, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Thank you so much. Yes, I am the voice that says, thank you for using AT&T and <laughs> welcome to City Phone Banking. But don't hate me. <laughs> don't curse at me because I can't hear you. You'll only raise your blood pressure. <laughs> I've yelled at you sometimes. I'm just telling you right now, and I know a lot of people have done the same thing. But let's start by talking about, uh, how, t- tell us how you got started in the in the world of voiceover. Well, I can't, I come from a radio background, like many people in this business, and uh, I actually worked with Howard Stern for a couple of years. I was a, a cast member on his show, and that propelled me out of radio <laughs> into my own business. <laughs> um, and I, I always, you know, when you're on radio, you always get voiceover work sort of on the side. People hear you on the air, and they invite you to do stuff. And I would realize that that when I was behind the microphone as a voice talent, I was making more in a minute than I would make an entire week on the air. Yeah. So it was like a no-brainer where I needed to focus my attention and, and shift my career. And I did that, and I was able to, to grow my business, uh, and it's, it's been a wonderful ride. You know, this is the first that I've heard that you had worked with Howard Stern. It didn't, uh, I think the information that's available on you, both on your site and online, didn't mention that. What was that like working on that show? You know, I was on his show on the late in the late eighties, uh, when he was on in New York and Philadelphia and he called me Susan Berserkowitz. <laughs> I was his traffic reporter and I never got to do the traffic in the two years that we worked together. Like maybe I got like a half a traffic report in there because he made me into a character. And the first day, I, I guess I intuitively knew that if I could be on his show, I w- it would be great for my career, which sure. it was because of the right. notoriety. But, um, the first day I was on the air, they laid into me, they made such fun of me, and I was lit, almost in tears. And I called him up after the show, off the air, and I said, Howard, I, I, mean, I guess you guys didn't like me, right? And he goes, no, we loved you. You were terrific. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent the next two years as, like, the straight guy getting beat up, and uh, I was very, very, I actually had a lot of fun doing it, and, I, and it was easier because Howard is such a great guy. He was just so nice in person, and he's actually very, very shy. And, boy, he sure took off in recent years, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he's come to dominate the uh, the satellite airwaves for sure. So uh, you've gone from radio to voiceover, and then specifically, as you mentioned at the top, you're known for doing automated voiceovers. That's a very specific niche in voiceover. Uh, How did you specifically get that work? Yeah, you know, and I actually do all kinds of voiceover. It's just that that's the most most visible, I suppose. Sure. Uh, that particular, the AT&T gig was an audition many, 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 many years ago. And like everybody else, I, I just auditioned for it. I happen to have, I guess I have a very good, clear diction. And at the time, they were using, I guess, they, not to get too complicated, technical on it, something called DTMS. You know, certain voices were setting off touch tones. So if your voice was in a certain 
range, frequency range, it was a good thing. And mine was at that time. And I just got deeply embedded in all these phone systems. And I think over the years, I've probably done something like two million voice prompts. And Stefan, sometimes I think if I'm a, I think sometimes if I'm a bad girl and I go to hell, my job in hell is going to be the time in hell is 437. The temperature <laughs> in hell is 1 million degrees. The time in hell, yeah. you know, on and on and on into eternity. And there are endless so variations for these automated voices. How long did a typical session take for you? Well, you know, there, there are some sessions that, that take weeks and weeks and weeks. I did something for IBM where I had to record, uh, you know, all the vowels and consonant sounds in the English language. And what they do is they give you just reams and reams of text to read because they want to get your speech in all the possible inflections. And then the computer takes that and makes natural speech. It's very scary. They can actually take my in my voice and type in something and I'll say whatever that I never said in real life, you know? Wow. It's very natural inflection. But but these sessions, they're, they're anywhere from short to uh, like the whole Citibank application. We just we just redid the whole uh, consumer application. It's thousands and thousands of voice prompts and they it's treated just like a regular session with directors and everything because these days they're trying to create persona in the in these uh, voice messages. You know, like in other words they want to have it like it's a person answering your phone talking to you really naturally. So they, they bring directors in and everything. Now, how long can you do that at a stretch before you kind of go a little buggy and have to step away? <laughs> well, I'm actually a very efficient reader. I have a lot of stamina and a good, strong voice, and I and, and, and I do all kinds of narrations, including medical narrations, and I can go for hours. But I try to not read more than, say, 50 minutes at a time without taking a break, and I'm very careful about you know getting enough sleep, enough exercise, what I drink or eat before a session and keeping hydrated, all those things. So, you know, of course, I don't smoke and I um, don't have allergies or anything like that. So, Well, your, your work uh, actually, legend has it, was so good that uh, it made your husband fall in love with you. Is that true? <laughs> that was my ex-husband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this, came from a, uh, we this, <laughs> this came from an article that I read in, uh, the, in the New York Times in 2000, so it, it was, was a little while ago. Yeah. It's true. He and I, uh, he's also a voice talent, and we were together for many, many years. But as often happens with people in the same profession, it sometimes it does not work. Hmm. But I'm a happy girl now. Now I'm with a journalist. I'm much happier. <laughs> <laughs> and he fell in love with me, but I don't know if it was because of my voice, but uh, it's well, all good. <laughs> let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the work that you do with the, uh, the Great Voice Company. Uh, and a lot of this information, of course, is proprietary, so I'm not going to ask you to give away too much, but... For example, you say there are 10 mistakes beginning voice actors make. Now, uh, I'm guessing one of those things is don't try to produce your own demo, right? Oh, that's for sure. That's a demo with what they call the loving hands of home sound, you know? No. Uh, I hear so many disasters. You know, here at the Great Voice Company, I also coach and train voice talent from all around the world. And just this afternoon, you know, my students every month, those that are members of my inner circle at greatvoice.com, uh, they send audio samples every month for my critique, and I compile my comments on a CD, and I was listening to some of the things that people were sending in, and they just don't understand that audio quality these days is more important than ever. Just because you're recording from home, it can't sound like that. Um, you know, the cost of having a home studio 
has never been lower. The barrier to entry has never been lower. But you really do need to know what you're doing. You need to know how to get your equipment set up and get your voice, um, I want to, you know, get it soundproofed or sound attenuated so that you get the best possible sound and you, you know how to work the mic. So that and that's not, not even considering the performance. I mean, obviously the performance is key. And if you don't have the experience, it's very difficult for you to direct yourself. Oh, yeah. See, that's the other thing that people don't realize. So, some, for example, even today, somebody wrote me, sent me an audio sample, and they put it on the note that came with it. Uh, I did 70 takes to get this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you and I both know that you got it when you're auditioning. I mean, you you got to send that out after the second or third take. Otherwise, you just, you're just going to be auditioning all day. We don't want to audition. We want to work. So you've got to get to the point where you're very, very efficient, where you can... You know, the, the analysis actually starts, the work actually starts before you open your mouth. When you get a piece of copy in front of you, you really need to understand how to do text analysis in a way that you're going to make somebody else's words come alive. And you've got to learn how to do that very, very fast. And that's one of the things that we, all, we teach in our workshops and our, our boot camps. One of the things that I find is particularly helpful if you can do it, and I've spoken on this program to people who work on the agency side and the production side, is if you can manage to get inside the head of the intention of the writer, you have a better shot at booking the gig because they are looking to hear something very specific. Well, without a doubt, you know, people don't realize that this is not about your voice, but it's about the product above, above and beyond. It's about the people that, that are paying the bills, right. which is it's the product and the copywriter. Like you said, you've got to get inside their head. And one of the ways that you do that is actually to study advertising, not, not acting. I think actors, the voice actors spend way, way too much time um, studying, you know, getting just a little bit better than everybody else, when really they do need to work in the fundamentals of our craft, which is that it's advertising. And we are tools for selling a product. We really need to understand how to do that. And that requires actually, and this is something else that other coaches have mentioned, uh, mentioned on this show when they've talked about this very thing, is it means listening to the radio. It means watching television and not fast-forwarding through the, uh, the ads like we want to do and really listening to who's doing what and what the sound is. Yeah, what the sound is, but also, again, what the, what the product is and who the audience is. Because in voiceover, you see, we're not speaking to our often, and talent have another problem, which I call vocal narcissism, which means you're falling in love with the sound of your own voice, you know? <laughs> and, and that is a real impediment because, um, like I said, you really almost need to be completely transparent and invisible and get a real clear image of who the consumer is of that product or service. And it can be a service. Often we are reading narrations for, um, like I just did a big customer service narration right before I got online with you for, for a big, big company that everybody would know. And um, that's a, that particular company targets a, a segment of the population. They are, um, I wouldn't say low-end buyers, but it's a, you know, a, a moderate, modestly priced place. And, and it was for the people that are working in that company, you know, a training video thing that I was doing. And so, you know, you've got to figure out that that person is not, probably, they probably don't have a college education. They're probably from a working class background. Maybe English is not their native language. All that stuff goes into the mix of doing a great voiceover. And I think, 
almost nobody gets that. Most people are just totally focused on their own performance, and that's a mistake, I think. Now, because of technology, uh, everybody can pretty much have a home studio. It's easy to do. It's relatively cheap. And there are now a proliferation of a number of sites that uh, offer basically a pay-to-play scenario wherein you join that site and you get access to auditions. Do you steer your clients toward those? Uh, we are actually about to launch our own casting site, which I'm very, very excited about. We're not quite ready, but you'll be hearing about that in the near future. It's called getgreatvoices.com, um, which will be actually uh, free for, for our members. But um, I think that the pay-to-play services have a place. I think that the big danger is, Stefan, that um, it's like a, almost like a voice town shopping mall. And, and the, the problem with pay-to-play services is that we can't do follow-up marketing in many cases to those, those people that are sending us those auditions. So, um, and people mistakenly believe that just because their inbox is filled with auditions every day that they have a business. They don't. You're getting auditions. You don't have a voiceover business. A business is where you have prospects that you are con- moving them along a marketing funnel to the point where they're going to buy, just like any other service that you might be offering. So that's the challenge and the problem with these pay-to-play services because you, there's just, you can't do any back-end follow-up. Um, it's like you have all these unconverted leads and you can't do anything with it because you don't know who the person is. Because really only um, you know, 10% of buyers are going to buy the first shot out. You know, if you cultivate leads in your own voiceover career, uh, often it can take two to three years before somebody buys. But when they do, oh boy, you're, you're in solid. I mean, I... For many years, I was the voice of Travel Channel. I did a lot of promo work, and uh, it took me two years to get that customer. But once I did, I, I kept them as a client for two years after that. So building the relationships, obviously, extremely important uh, in this business. And also, you have a training program on how to get the best price for your voiceover job. And particularly, as you say, with a lot of these companies, um, you're asked to put in a bid uh, which is troubling to a lot of people who have worked in the voiceover world for a while because it seems like it is devaluing uh, what we do as voice actors and sort of allowing the work to go to the lowest bidder. So how do you combat that? How do you recommend combating that? Oh, sure. So that is showing a fundamental um that's what I mean when I say that the voice talent, above all, if you really want to do extremely well in this business, you need to take a cue from from other kinds of business building. So you need to understand about selling your services and about pricing. Um, because voice talent often mistakenly believe that that the person that bids the lowest price is the one that's going to get the gig. And really, um, in nine times out of ten, it's, it's not the case. There are price buyers out there, but we don't want to work for them because those are the people. It's like the 80-20 rule. 80% of our problems are going to come from those 20%, the bottom feeders. Right. The point is that um, people don't buy on price. The people you want to work with don't buy on price. In our business, they're buying reliability, they're buying trust, they're buying speed, and they're buying customer service, and they're also buying bragging rights. Don't underestimate the fact that this is show business, that when 
after somebody has worked with you, they get to go home to Mildred or, you know, Mervyn and say, <laughs> honey, you won't believe what I did today. I was in the studio and I was working with a voice talent. And it was like, to them, it's like being in showbiz. So all of those things fit into why people buy. And price is often very, very low on the list. It's high for us, but it's very low for our customers, most of them. You also teach public speaking. Um, how are voiceover and public speaking related for you? Well, I think it's been great because I actually developed a whole methodology that I talk about in my book, Speak to Influence, and in courses that we publish, including uh, Voice Mastery Formula and Magnetic Speaking Power. What I did was I deconstructed what we do as broadcasters and voice talent because we really have a unique ability to take somebody's words in 30 or 60 seconds and, and turn them into millions and millions of dollars just because of how we've mastered you know, our voice, not just the voice, but the ability to act through words. So I deconstructed all that. I put it into a system which I, I teach to uh, business and sales professionals, uh, and they've had tremendous uh, success with it. Well, clearly they have had tremendous success with it uh, all the way on to The Apprentice. You uh, you wound up coaching a team on The Apprentice that went on to win. What was that experience like? I had so much fun. I'll bet you <laughs> did, yeah. crazy, crazy thing. Yeah, so so I was working, um, I was teaching at the Learning Annex in New York, and, and uh, the, one of The Apprentice, I think it was season four, they did an episode where The Apprentices had to teach a class at the Learning Annex. So they gave a, a speech coach to each of the teams, and I was represented one of the worked with one of the teams, and um, it was uh, the team that had Randall on. And I don't know if you remember, he was an African American guy, very very tall, and he he won that season, season four. And I so so I had no idea. They really didn't give me a lot of information. They say, okay, the apprentices are going to like come in. You, you be in this room here, waiting for them with the cameras, and they're going to come in in real time and give them an hour speaking class. And I was thinking to myself, you know, these, these, oh, they, I think they're going to be really nervous. And I was pre- preparing all this, inf- all this material about how to overcome fear of public speaking and all this stuff. And they walk in, and they were four of the cockiest kids mm. I've ever met in my life. You ha- and, and most arrogant cocky kids, you know? And you have to imagine that, because to get that far through the casting process on The Apprentice, right. yep. you've got to have some big ones <laughs> to be really crude about it. So they threw <laughs> you for a loop, I imagine. <laughs> they did. But I, I mean, actually, I was able to help them a lot um, to, to become more relatable, to tell better stories. Uh, the winner, Randall, I remember working with him, he, he sort of came off like a professor, so he was kind of pontificating. So I helped him become more, much more relatable and real, and uh, he went on to win the, win the episode. It was a lot of fun. I, but I didn't get to meet Donald Trump, and I didn't get to meet uh, anyone. And actually, they, they, they taped me, but then it ended up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a shame. Was, so you actually didn't appear on the show itself. I didn't appear on the show, but I was taped, and I did have the, the, the great pleasure of working behind the scenes on that episode. It was great. Well, Susan, now that I met you sort of in person, uh, I promise not to yell at you anymore when I uh, <laughs> when I get you on my phone. Susan Berkeley, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on that voiceover podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. That Voiceover Podcast is a co-production of Half Full and Get Creative, Inc. For more information, go to thatvoiceoverpodcast.com or check us out on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Cox.